2023 model cycle coming up here soon. Yeah, and it it wouldn't be like Stacy Gage, right? You wouldn't think. You think it is, uh, it is not Stacy Gage. Okay, so I am guessing a crystal ball uh, went in the direction of Dalen Smothers for a, a lot of people having him going to Oklahoma. Correct? Uh, yes, there were four crystal ball predictions last night for Dalen Smothers to Oklahoma. So that's uh, that's good news. Four star running back, uh, Charlotte's uh, North Carolina. Uh, you know, has been the player of the year there the last couple years in that area. So he's he would be a big-time get for Oklahoma, and Sooner fans are, are wanting to hear some good news. So this certainly would be good news for Oklahoma. And I guess the Sooners would beat out uh, Florida State, main it, competition. Yeah, that's right. So his final four is Oklahoma, Florida State, Alabama, North Carolina State. Alabama's never really been a player. It's just kind of – I think it's more the type of thing where, you know, if you have the Alabama offer, put them on your final list just to kind of flex on people that, hey, I got the Alabama offer. But this has always been a battle primarily between OU, Florida State, and North Carolina State. And as of right now, it appears that Oklahoma is in the best position to land a commitment from Dalen Smothers, which would mean DeMarco Murray's job in the year of our Lord 2022 would effectively be over because he's already got Caleb Hicks committed if he were to get Dalen Smothers. That's your two running backs, and those are two of the top ten running backs in the nation, Mike Steely. So that would be back-to-back classes that old spray tan has secured not one but two Top 10 running backs. Very nice. Yes, uh, you'll take a couple four stars. You'll take a couple four stars in that class. Uh, that's impressive. And, again, you think of what they did last year with Javante Barnes and uh, Gavin Sawchuk. Very impressive coming in uh, with this current class. And uh, if you get both those guys, you've got the commitment from Caleb Hicks. It looks like it'll be Dalen Smothers coming soon. And uh, that's two big-time gets for OU and DeMarco Murray. Meanwhile, what about four-star defensive lineman Johnny Bowens decommitting from Texas A&M? He has an Oklahoma offer. Yeah, we talked about this briefly on Locked In yesterday. Bowens, a teammate, of course, of four-star wide receiver Anthony Evans, whom OU is heavily pursuing, and OU follows up with that offer to Bowens this morning in the aftermath of his decommitment from Texas A&M. Keep an eye on this one. I'm not saying Bowens is going to be a Sooner. I'm not even saying he takes an official visit. But right now, Oklahoma is very well positioned for Anthony Evans. And if they're able to close on him, that exponentially increases their odds of bringing Bowens along. Four-star defensive lineman uh, out of Converse Judson for Johnny Bowens. And I guess Texas is out there, Oregon, LSU, based on what I'm seeing. But he does have the Sooner offer, and he did, did decommit from Texas A&M. Now, meanwhile, the, the Arch Manning effect continues to reign supreme on the 40 acres. Uh, defensive end edge rusher Billy Walton flipped from Oklahoma State to Texas. Now, he's a three-star out of South Oak Cliff, but now Texas – uh, Parker Thune has, I believe, eight new commitments since uh, Arch Manning made the announcement recently that he was heading to Texas. What do you think about that flip and that get for Texas? Yeah, well, I, I think we actually talked about this, or I, I might have just briefly referenced it on the show yesterday. But, yeah, another one for the Longhorns, flipping Billy Walton uh, from the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And bottom line, this is the Arch effect. People want to play with somebody who owns the last name Manning. So, 
This is not unexpected. We are well accustomed to seeing Texas recruiting well. This surge is going to continue. I don't expect that this is the end, although you will start to see things slow down because you simply can't maintain the pace on the recruiting trail that Texas has kept over the last week or so. But, uh, yeah, I, I would anticipate, Mike, that the Longhorns are going to end up signing a top five class when it's all said and done. That's just where things are headed right now. Yeah, in Texas, again, number three in uh, the uh, rankings right now behind Ohio State and Notre Dame. But, uh, you know, Arch Manning uh, considered to be the number one recruit in this 2023 class. Uh, We knew that Texas was becoming a player a while back, and obviously uh, Steve Sarkeesian did a very nice job uh, getting that kid to Austin. But uh, guess what? Oklahoma's got a a guy that's a – five-star quarterback in their class as well jackson arnold and jackson arnold so far based on reports parker has done very well at the elite 11 that he has and our team of experts at 24 7 sports ranked him a very close number two yesterday among the quarterbacks that were in competition behind only five-star signal caller dante moore out of the state of michigan so for right now, it would appear that Jackson Arnold, and I tell you what, our director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports, Steve Wilfong, he said it yesterday, Jackson Arnold is the type of talent that has the opportunity and has the ability to be the number one overall prospect in the nation by the end of the cycle, and especially with Arch Manning not competing at the Elite 11. I think that door is open. I don't know that it's a likelihood, But I think the fact that Manning hasn't really participated in any elite camp type of environment uh, is going to be the knock on him down the stretch and may open the door for somebody else to overtake him as the number one prospect in in this class. That could very well be Jackson Arnold. He lived up to the billing yesterday, day one of the Elite 11. Uh, I tell you what, I was told that there were about 10 straight throws from Jackson Arnold that he made where he couldn't have placed it any better if he'd walked over and handed the ball to the receiver. So he has been stellar, and you would imagine that if he continues to perform the way that he has through one day of competition at the Elite 11, he will be in contention for the overall crown, and he may be due for a hike up the rankings. Yeah, I I think he's currently like uh, 32 in the top 100 uh, on 247. So, yeah, he could be uh, climbing some steps on that ladder, no doubt about it. What, so what is Arch Manning like Lincoln Riley? Is he afraid of competition or what? Uh, oh, man, I, you were already off the air. It was with Tyler yesterday where I kind of went off about this. It's <laughs> – I'm trying not to say anything too mean or too scathing, Mike, but – It really is all about the last name, because I promise you, if there were any other six foot four, 215 pound quarterback in America that played two way high school football, never went to elite camps, never really played seven on seven, declined to participate at the elite 11 and even declined to participate at his own family's passing camp. The Manning Passing Academy. That's I tell you what, I, I don't even know if he would be a blue chip because the experts would look at him and say, yeah, we like the tools. Yeah, we like the arm strength. Yeah, we like the mobility. But we got to see this dude prove it against competition that's on his level. For Arch Manning, 
It all boils down to the fact that his last name is Manning, and that's what you're counting on. You are counting on bloodlines. You are counting on genetics. You are counting on all of that outweighing the concerns about the level of competition that Arch Manning has played and about his ostensible unwillingness to pit himself against some of the other elite signal callers in the nation in an environment like the Elite 11. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of Muleshoe. It, it reminds me of Muleshoe. He wanted to protect his uh, reputation and his name by going and taking the easy way out. And I think that's exactly what's going on, uh, it sounds like, with Arch Manning. And again, you're not saying that Arch Manning doesn't belong somewhere in the top, even top 50, top 25. But you think he's the solid number one simply because, again, he's a good player, but if he was Arch Smith... He probably wouldn't be where he is right now. No, not even close. Not even close. And especially when you look at what he hasn't done in terms of competition. Again, Mike, I think if we were talking about Arch Smith, we'd be talking about him as a guy that has shown some things against lower-level competition, obviously has the frame, has the athleticism, has the arm talent to crack it at the next level, but you can only rank him so high because – you really don't know how he stacks up against the best of the best. And so it really is the Manning privilege that has made Arch Manning the number one prospect in the nation. That's 100% what it boils down. Meanwhile, uh, you're talking about the competition that Jackson Arnold has faced at Denton Geyer, and that's uh, a few levels higher than what Arch Manning has faced uh, there in high school. I mean, he's played against good competition. Uh, Jackson Arnold, and obviously he's not afraid to go compete at the Elite 11. So who knows? And look, Arch Manning may turn out to be, you know, the next Vince Young at Texas. But we're talking about where he's rated and how he's rated right now by, uh, you know, people that, who follow recruiting. And a lot of it is the, the allure of the Manning name. Uh, a great deal of it, as you mentioned, is the allure of the Manning name. And like I said, he may turn out to be, uh, you know, another Colt McCoy, or I, I don't know, his skill set isn't the same as Vince Young's, obviously. Not many people have that skill set, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think the Sooners are in good shape uh, with Jackson Arnold, their own five-star. Why don't we do this? Thank you, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour. You need a tune-up on your AC, they'll get it done for you. Give them a call, 405-579-3113. That is 405 405- Five seven nine thirty one thirteen. We'll take a quick break right here, and we'll hear from Jackson Arnold when we get back from the Elite Eleven camp, talking about his uh, how he got to Oklahoma and uh, what the Sooners need to do to take that next step. All of that we'll hear from the Sooner uh, quarterback uh, Jackson Arnold coming up, and so far so good. He has really impressed everybody there at the Elite Eleven camp. So that's coming up next here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. We are back here on a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Wednesday's going along well. Thanks again to our sponsor, Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems here on our first hour. You need that AC tuned up. You know how reliable Tim Lasher was as a Sooner kicker, about as reliable as uh, you could get, right? I mean, he made so many big field goals for Oklahoma back in the day, part of all those Sooner Magic games. And uh, his company will also do a great job for you. Last year, Home Comfort Systems, you need service work done on your A.C., your heat and air. Uh, they're the people to call, 
579-3113, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. All right, Parker, we mentioned that Jackson Arnold is at the Elite 11 Finals and uh, talked with 247 Sports uh, yesterday. Let's hear some uh, sound from Jackson Arnold. First clip, how things took off with Oklahoma so quickly. Yeah, no, um, I always I always kind of thought, you know, Oklahoma was a place I'd want to play, but at the time they had uh, – Lincoln Riley was there. already had a quarterback commit in my class, and I kind of threw that out of the window. That was just not even a, an option for me. And then Coach Levy came in and got the job, and I was super close to Coach Levy at Ole Miss, and, you know, he got the job and offered me, I think, a day later. And he's like, you need to come up here and visit, and I did, and I absolutely loved it and just decided to commit from there. All right, and that previous quarterback, of course, was Malachi Nelson in the uh, 2023 class uh, who followed Muleshoe and his evil group. Uh, well, some of them evil, not all of them. But uh, Muleshoe, definitely evil, uh, out to L.A. Here is Jackson Arnold talking about uh, the Sooners, of course, been to college football playoff semifinals. They're, they're trying to get over the hump, win that national championship. They haven't won one since 2000, and that's what they're trying to get done. That's what Brent Venables is going to try and do, elevate this program to win the Natty again. How does Jackson Arnold think uh, the Sooners can do that? I think it all starts with the defense. Honestly, the past couple of years, they haven't had a super strong defense, but I mean, Coach Venables is a, a fantastic defensive mind paired with Coach Levy, who I think has the greatest offensive mind as a coordinator right now. So I think those two paired together will win a lot of games this year. All right, and one more soundbite from uh, Jackson Arnold. By the way, thanks to Tyler McComas for cutting these soundbites up for us. Um, uh, it's killing me not to be in the studio cutting some audio, but, uh, again, I'm mucus man right now. You don't want to be around mucus man. Not a pleasant experience. But uh, one more from the Sooners' uh, commitment, Jackson Arnold out of Denton Geyer, currently again in the Elite 11 Finals. He was asked what he likes best about Oklahoma. I love Coach Venable. He's a super high-energy coach, and I think he's a great fit for you know for Oklahoma and what Oklahoma needs. And I absolutely love the family-like environment he's creating, too. He wants us to be not only great players, but great people as well. There you go. So uh, you like this kid because of the competition he's faced, and, uh, again, you you think that you know he's he's been maybe a little bit below the ra- radar. He just got his fi- a fifth star, what, about a month ago. But was, you know, when you're, when you're talking about some of the guys that are up there in this class, and we've talked a bunch about Arch Manning, about Malachi Nelson, way up there. Uh, the kid who went to Tennessee, I can't remember his name, uh, who's up in the top five in this class. But uh, you really like this kid based on what you've said. What do you like most about him? I think what I love most about Jackson Arnold is, well, and there are a lot of things to love, um, I think what I like about him first off is that, you know, that's a dude that's going to be a program guy, right? And you kind of heard that in the sound bites that you played right there, Mike, the reality that he was all in with OU from the minute that Jeff Lebby offered him and he went and took the visit. He wants to be a Sooner and he is very actively working behind the scenes to help build the class around him. So, For a guy like that to be the leader of your recruiting class from the quarterback position, especially as a five-star, that's pivotal for a program like Oklahoma that, to a certain extent, is still trying to pick up some of the broken pieces after Muleshoe nuked everything on his way out. I don't want to make it seem like the cupboard is bare at Oklahoma or that Brent Venables has to dig himself out of a massive hole because that's not the case, but... 
you do still feel kind, you do somehow kind of feel that aftershock lingering still, especially with regard to recruiting, just because it's a new staff. They have an entirely different board than the old staff did. And so there are some names that have carried over. There are some targets that have carried over from the old staff to the new staff. But a lot of these guys, a lot of these uh, fans have had to become acquainted with over the last few months as the new Oklahoma staff has identified them as targets and guys that they want to come play ball at the University of Oklahoma. Look at a guy like Eric McCarty, for instance. Uh, which I believe I believe he was the Sooners' first commit in the 2023 class under Brent Venables. He beat Ashton. No, no, no. It was it was Arnold. It was Arnold. A couple days later, it was McCarty. And a kid like that, he wasn't even moving the needle for the old staff. So that is the difference in philosophy. That is the difference in priorities uh, that you're kind of seeing manifest between the new staff and the old staff. But with Jackson Arnold, man, he just does everything so well and so smoothly at the quarterback position, and he is a feisty competitor. It's all too easy to make the Baker-Mayfield comparison, and I just think Baker is one of a kind as a QB, so I don't think it's necessarily fair to compare any quarterback to him, apples to apples, but Arnold definitely has a little bit of that in the way that he plays the game. You don't necessarily regard him as a true dual threat, but he will move around. Uh, He can make dudes miss in the open field. He can get outside the pocket. A play is never dead when Arnold is under center. And he can make all the throws, like we were talking about. You saw video clips circulating from the Elite 11 last night. Uh, Our team at 24-7 Sports, again, named Arnold the second-best quarterback at the Elite 11 competition from day one, second only to another five-star in Dante Moore. And they said they were pretty much neck and neck. Moore and Arnold, those were the two that stood out. So you know you're getting a budding superstar in this kid at the quarterback position. And it's going to be really exciting, no doubt, for a lot of these fans to see just how quickly Jackson Arnold can become a factor in the starting quarterback competition upon his arrival at OU because I think there's a very legitimate chance that he could make a push to start as early as his true freshman season. He's that good. And uh, the Moore kid is, again, out of the state of Michigan. He's he's headed to Oregon. Is that the thought, right? Uh I, that is kind of the prevailing thought. That is a recruitment much like Jaden Rashada's in nature where it's trended in so many different directions at a certain point. You just kind of throw your hands up and say, we know nothing. So for Dante Moore, yeah, Oregon is probably the safest bet right now, but he is still uncommitted. Uh, the number one quarterback left on the board in the 2023 class, everybody ranked higher, is now committed. Okay, and if you're just joining us today, uh, you saw, I'm sure, probably the DeMarco Murray tweet, if you're interested in recruiting, and uh, the Sooner uh, running backs coach again tweets out Yamaha last night, meaning, hey, something's happening, something good is about to happen for the Oklahoma Sooners, and the speculation is that is a uh, commitment it looks to be on the way from Dalen Smothers, the running back out of Charlotte, North Carolina, four-star ranked as a top 10 running back in the 2023 class. Would be a great get for Oklahoma. Uh, Look like it's down to the Sooners and Florida State. When do you think this commitment might be coming? For Dalen Smothers, I I would anticipate a decision within the next week or two. I think it's going to be soon. 
And with that in mind, I think OU fans can very reasonably expect that the next couple of weeks is going to be a turning point in this cycle because you have Samuel Masigo announcing tomorrow. Uh, you have P.J. Adabare getting close to a decision. You have Dalen Smothers getting very close to a decision. And you have Caden Green's announcement on July 8th as well. So within the next week and a half, you could have as many as four guys realistically decide in favor of Oklahoma. Now, are all of them four stars uh, in the group that you mentioned? Let's see. Omasigo's a four-star. Green is a four-star. Smothers is a four-star. And then PJ is also a four-star. So, yeah, all blue-chip guys. Yeah, and you're talking about Oklahoma again. They're 39th in the national rankings right now. And we talked about look at the average, and you know the Sooners aren't going to stay uh, down in that area. But if you get those four guys in the next couple, three weeks, then you're moving up. You're probably close to the top 20, maybe in the 2025 range, maybe higher than that. We'll have to wait and see what happens. And then you're looking at uh, other guys uh, if you could get Makari Vickers or Jacoby Johnson or Caden Green, looks like he's coming to Oklahoma, right? Uh, P.J. Adebore. Um Who am I leaving out? Jaquazy Petaway, Peyton Kirkland, maybe. Uh, by the way, is it you think it's a done deal, uh, getting close to being a done deal that Cole Adams is going to Alabama? Uh, yes, a lot of folks hitting the text line uh, in the aftermath of Cole tweeting out that he's announcing his commitment later today. I do expect that one to go in favor of the Crimson Tide. And again, like we talked about, uh, that's not all that shocking if you followed the arc of Cole Adams' recruitment. There was a time where Oklahoma kind of made a surge, but it became pretty clear that Cole Adams was a backup plan for OU, and he was not a guy that they prioritized. He got his offer in the immediate aftermath of Ashton Cozart's decommitment, and I said it at the time, Mike, if I'm Cole Adams – And that's when I finally get the long-anticipated Oklahoma offer is immediately after the guy that they had committed decides he's going to go to Oregon. The optics there aren't great, and I feel like an insurance policy. And so I won't be surprised at all if Alabama ends up being the choice for Cole Adams, which I believe it will be. On that note, let's take a break. It's a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon. Parker's in the Brown, O'Haver Studios. I'm still at the Casa nursing this summer cold. I, I am making progress, I can tell you that. I know you guys and gals are extremely interested, but I feel like I'm on the road to recovery, but it's still super annoying, and I'm doing everything. I, I'm drinking an ocean of water and taking everything. But hopefully I'm on the road to recovery. I'll be back in studio, hopefully tomorrow. When we get back... Jesse Crittenden does a great job for the Norman Transcript. Their sports editor, he'll join us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here on this Wednesday, right here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. We are back. And uh, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-329-9000, Norman Transcript Sports Editor Jesse Crittenden joins us. And uh, let's start with baseball. The Sooners had an amazing run when you consider what they did, uh, winning their last five series, going uh, to Arlington, winning the Big 12 tournament. They go to Gainesville, take down the Gators there. They go to Blacksburg. They beat a red-hot Virginia Tech team to advance to Omaha, win their first three games there at Charles Schwab Field, and then they ran into Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, the Sooners, when you think about Jake Bennett, I know he started out shaky 
but settled down. And then Cade Horton, all-time men's college World Series uh, championship series record, 13 strikeouts, pitched very well. Uh, so, Jesse, what, what happened to the Sooner Bats, and what did you make of what went down in Omaha with OU? Uh, honestly, I, I think, you know, I think they ran into an Ole Miss team that was really prepared and an Ole Miss team whose pitching staff uh, kind of pitched out of their minds in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, and Jack Doherty uh, for them in that first game was, was pretty incredible. Just gave up, you know, the three hits and in five innings. But, I mean, it seems like they kind of used Oklahoma's aggressiveness against them. That's really how Oklahoma kind of made their money over the, the final few weeks was – was really being aggressive with their bats and then being aggressive once they got on base. And I, and I think Ole Miss kind of developed a plan to, to use that against them. And, and I also think there's something to be said for, I mean, yes, Oklahoma got hot at the right time, but, I mean, it, it really carried over for weeks. And I think they, they, they got cold and ran into a team that was prepared for them. But, I mean, honestly, I think if Oklahoma was one of the hotter teams, I think Ole Miss was just as hot. Both teams were very similar. Uh, both were kind of underdog stories. Ole Miss was was even in worse shape than Oklahoma was earlier in the year, and and I honestly think by the end of the year, Ole Miss really solidified themselves as 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 the best team in college baseball. And I think Oklahoma gave them a fight even in that first game. I think it was a little closer than the score indicated, and and I think Oklahoma gave them Ole Miss. Ole Miss made enough plays to to get it done in two games. Now, Jesse, Skip Johnson caught plenty of flack from armchair managers on social media who second-guessed his decision to go to Trevin Michael in the eighth inning of that game, too, uh, as Cade Horton's pitch count climbed and as the Ole Miss lineup turned over. Of course, Michael ended up getting tagged for three earned runs in that eighth, and the Sooners fall 4-2, to two, uh, blowing the late lead that they had in that contest. What did you think of the decision and – how it turned out, how it ultimately panned out for Oklahoma. If Skip has that same opportunity, you'd figure he's making the move to his guy in the pen again, right? Yeah, no, I actually wrote a column about this yesterday. I, I you know, I, I had some, I had some people I talked with that were uh, wondering about that decision and, and, and trying not to look at it with the, with the power of hindsight. I mean, I, I think it's the right call for a variety of reasons. I mean, one, that was the longest that that Kate Horton had ever pitched. I mean, he was he had thrown 107 pitches by the time he got pulled. I mean, we we barely see pitchers uh, throw you know over 100 pitches in general, let alone you know a redshirt freshman that uh, really didn't get a lot of playing time earlier in the year. Obviously, missed all of last season, you know, with Tommy John surgery, and they really they really carefully worked him in starting in the middle of the year, but. I mean, it was clear that the leash was a little bit longer in the postseason, but I mean, you're you're getting into dangerous territory with with a guy like Kate Horton, who obviously had a had a big injury and and was already pitching. I mean, that was that was the most he'd ever played on the mound. And two, you know, Trevin Michael struggled. That it was, but it was an uncharacteristic struggle. I think it's easy to forget how well he had played. Um, especially in the postseason, and even in the even in the World Series, he, he had played really well uh, as a closer for them. He, he hadn't even given up uh, a run in the three games in the World Series before that game. So, I mean, I think I think it was a, a variety of different things. I, I understand some people who were who were wanting to see Kate Horton on the mound the entire time, but I mean, Skip Johnson said it. He was he was kind of at the end of his rope, and you know, you, you bring Trevin Michael in, who's been a good closer for you for the last few weeks, and 
you know, the decision backfired, but that's, you know, that's part of sports and, you know, and, it, and it's impossible to say if the result had been different either way, but I, I can certainly understand what Skip Johnson was looking at. Jesse Crittenden, our guest, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at 405-329-9000. I, you know, one of the things in that in that game uh, that has been talked about a lot, the Elko at bat, where it seemed like Elko made him throw like 20 pitches, you know, just kept fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why you saw Cade Horton get up over 100 uh, was, you know, the job that Elko did, particularly in that one at bat. Do you think there's any way Cade Horton is, is really coming back to OU? Uh, because he could be staring at a bunch of money coming up in the draft. What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, I, I think if you had asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said I, I really don't know. But I, I don't think there's anybody that improved their draft stock more um, over the course of the last few weeks than Cade Horton did. I, I mean, really, that's – I mean, he, he is – he he played well enough. That, I mean, there are real experts that are predicting that if he, that if he declares for the draft, I mean, he could he could go in the first round. That's how good that's how good he played. And I mean, and the numbers show that. I mean, he had nine strikeouts or more in in his final five games. All came in the postseason. I mean, he had he had eleven strikeouts against Notre Dame uh, in that semifinal to to get into Ole Miss. And really, I, I actually think part of why Oklahoma was even in that second game, considering how poorly their their at-bats were going was because Kate Horton was playing so well. I think if you if he would play even 90% as good as he played, I think Ole Miss takes that game. So, you know, I think if you're Kate Horton, it's a tough decision. You, you know, you're still a young guy, but Oklahoma, I mean, they're going to lose a few players going into next year, and, and it's hard to know, I mean, what next season even looks like. Is this kind of run even replicable? And, and you could argue that his stock is as high as it's going to be right now. Unless he, you know, he were he was able to build on it next season. So I mean, I, I think everything would suggest that he'll, you know, that he'll go. He'll capitalize on his plays on on OU's run and go. And, and I think it'd be hard to blame him if he did. Now, Jesse, we are getting closer and closer to Big Twelve Media Days, which every time, every year when those roll around, you kind of start to get the feeling, okay, we're almost there. It's almost football season. So as we head to Big 12 Media Days, uh, obviously the hot-button topic of conversation, no doubt, is going to be the new Big 12 commissioner-elect, Brett Yormark. Uh, obviously for Oklahoma, Brent Venables is going to be conducting his first media days as a head coach, and things are going to look radically different than they did a year ago at Big 12 Media Days when we didn't even know at that point that the move to the SEC was on the horizon for Oklahoma and Texas. So what stands out to you this year as we get closer and closer to media days in mid-July? Yeah, I think the the main thing is, I mean, it's strictly focusing on the football aspect. I mean, I I think the conference race really does feel kind of wide open uh, going into next year. Obviously, Baylor won last year, and and they're going to be a – uh, they're going to be a contender to win that, and, and I think a lot of eyes are going to be uh, on Oklahoma, obviously with with all the transition. But I mean, I think there are other there are a couple other teams that could that could you know maybe talk themselves in uh, to being a contender as well, whether that's rational or not. I mean, look look at Oklahoma State, or or even look at you know Texas, who you know, we say this every year, right? But I mean, there is real momentum again for them heading into next season. Even a team like Kansas State, who. Uh, I, I think was more competitive than than it's easy to remember. 
uh, going into last year. They've got a lot of starters coming back this next year. Obviously, Adrian Martinez uh, from Nebraska probably being their starting quarterback. So I think the I think the main thing is there really is going to be a feeling of, you know, it, it's not a foregone conclusion that Oklahoma is going to win. And I think that was kind of the takeaway from last year was all the teams were answering questions about, uh, you know, can anyone can anyone overthrow Oklahoma at the top? Where I, I think this next year is really going to be wide open. And yeah, not to mention that I mean everybody knows this is the final year that the Big Twelve is going to look like this. I mean, you've got four new teams uh, joining the pack next year. We still don't really know exactly what's going to happen with Oklahoma and Texas. So not only do you have a wide open conference race in a lot of ways, but you've you've got a you've got a conference that's going to look radically different in a few months with a new commissioner and with new teams potentially departing teams so i i think this is going to be a really interesting big 12 media days uh, maybe more interesting than in years past good stuff jesse we always appreciate your time thank you very much and uh, we'll talk to you again soon i appreciate you guys having me on Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript Sports Editor, joining us on the River Riverwind Casino Hotline at 405-329-9000. Break time right here, Steelman and Thune on a Wednesday here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Why don't we hit up the Air Comfort Solutions text line when we get back, 405-651-3439. We'll get some of your texts in when we get back right here on the Ref. Heat wave may be coming back, but uh, right now it's looking pretty good. I'm seeing uh, 78 degrees. I'll take 78 degrees. Uh, but you know the heat wave's coming back. All right, welcome back. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. How would you like to celebrate America twice? Yeah, we've got some issues, no doubt, that we got to deal with, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than the good old USA. And you can celebrate, of course, on July 4th, and then you can celebrate again on July 9th out at Riverwind Casino at Beats and Bites 2022. The Randy Rogers Band is going to put on an incredible show on the Beats and Bites stage on July 9th. And then right after their show, it's the best fireworks display in the metro area. So you can celebrate America twice, July 4th and then on July 9th with the Randy Rogers Band and the incredible fireworks show to follow. Uh, you can get your individual tickets online for Beats and Bites shows right now at Riverwind.com. They're only 5 bucks a ticket. And not only will you have the great music and the great fireworks, you'll also enjoy the best local food trucks, games for the kids, retail vendors. Bring your folding chairs. Have a great time outdoors. Listen to some great tunes and then celebrate uh, the United States of America, not only on July 4th, but July 9th. The Randy Rogers Man Show at Riverwind Beats and Bites Festival presented by Coop Ale Works. Get your tickets online at riverwind.com, five bucks a piece, and then one more show, and we'll wrap up the season, and that'll be the Scotty McCreary Show on July 30th. So get on out there and see that show as well. Again, tickets available online at riverwind.com. And you can get them at the box office there inside the casino. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. All right, Parker, let's get to some uh, texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. We got plenty of opinions on what Kate Horton should do. Horton would be an absolute idiot to leave for the draft. Riding the bus in host houses all while trying to navigate a new breaking ball Tommy John surgery. He's in best hands with Skip. I mean, I, I don't disagree. That's the thing. I, I do think Cade Horton would be best served to spend another year at Oklahoma because, sure, he's a fringe first-round pick right now, 
but you come back and you do for a full season what you just did in Omaha, you're not just talking about a first-round pick. You're talking about a potential top 10 or even top 5 pick. Cade Horton's mm-hmm. stuff is that special. He's just got to put a full season together. Yeah. No, and, and I certainly see that point. I'm also looking at, and again, I, I don't know, this is what I was told by an OU insider that one scout told me that Horton could get up to $5 million and probably no less than three. And if you've got that money staring in you in the face, that, that's a hard decision. You know, you invest and take care of that money and, and, and don't be crazy about it. That uh, That's, uh, again, money that can be around for the rest of your life and for your family. So it won't be an easy decision. But I, I do think, you know, if he comes back and gets another year with Skip, he could, uh, as you said, he could climb the ladder in the draft. And he certainly uh, climbed a bunch of rungs on that ladder based on what he did down the stretch this season. All right, now, let's get some more in. <laughs> One of our listeners sent this in, and it's a quote from Josh Pate, who, of course, is the host of The Late Kick on the 24-7 Sports Network. Fantastic mm-hmm. human being, fantastic analyst and student of the game. There will be no Josh Pate slander on this show or on the text line. However, you all are more than welcome to slander this take. And you are more than welcome to slander the man who is the head coach of the program that this take regards. Okay. Quote, I can promise you that there is no practice that's operating at a higher level right now, day to day on the West Coast, or maybe beyond, than USC football. USC practice is different. That from Josh Pate on Lincoln Riley, Muleshoe himself, and the USC Trojans. Man, we we talking about practice, not a game. We're talking about practice, and we know that. Come on, man. I really, he, I didn't realize that Teddy had talked about it. I guess extensively on the air, so I wasn't about to throw Muleshoe and his coaching staff under the bus if I didn't have to. But they didn't tackle in practice last year, Steely. They didn't tackle in practice last year. So here's what I can promise you. If they are doing exactly what they're doing, uh, exactly what they were doing at Oklahoma right now at USC, here's what's happening. One, they're not tackling. B, they're doing plenty of Benny Wiley kettlebell workouts. And Mm -hmm. C, there's no tangible improvement being made in terms of physicality and hardiness. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Muleshoe got the message that a lot of people think he's a pansy and uh, that maybe they decided maybe we should be a little more physical. I don't know. Like I said, I've got to believe it to see it. I I think, uh, you know, um, I I haven't seen physicality from uh, from his teams. I mean, you, you can look at the offensive line that put four guys in the NFL. That was physicality, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, how much of that? I, I do think, though, once Billy, Benny Wiley came aboard, things changed a little bit. I'm, I'm happy to see Schmitty back. And I, I would be shocked if this football team wasn't a lot more disciplined, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and a lot more physical. I mean, a lot more physical. Do you think the new Big 12 commissioner will be more open to negotiating an early exit for OU in Texas? That comes from Crimson 47. Hmm. 
I I don't know. Um, Brett Yormark, who is uh, the COO of uh, Jay Z's company, I, I I don't have the answer to that question. Perhaps you know you who knows on that deal. Uh, I I certainly think you know. You talk about whether they can afford to leave with the exit fees, talk about Oklahoma, not Texas. Uh, we just don't know. But I think it's in the best interest for Oklahoma to play one more year in the Big 12 and then get to the SEC if that's possible. But I, I don't have the answer to that. We can talk more about that next hour, though. We could definitely do that. Uh, Parker, do you want to try and get one more quick one in? You want somebody, to try and get somebody from the 580 said P90X isn't going to cut it for workouts. LOL. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. All right, thank you to Lasher Home Comfort Systems, our first-hour sponsor. Give them a call. You need an AC tune-up, they'll get it done for you, 405-579-3113. Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Next hour, we've got a lot more recruiting to talk about, more names to talk about, and we're also going to talk to Nate Fakin from Oklahoma's News Channel 4. We'll get his take on uh, the College World Series and the upcoming Big 12 football season. Stick with us right here on the home of Sooner fans. Welcome into hour number two here on Steel Man and Thune, our second hour presented by the Seth Wiley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV, and a great guarantee. Oil changes and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel. Check out the Seth Wiley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley. All right, uh, Parker, let's jump back into the world of recruiting. Uh, Cole Adams' announcement coming today. Do we, what time is that announcement coming down? Uh, that announcement is, per his tweet three minutes ago, coming at 5.30 p.m. So that is when you can expect a decision from Cole Adams. All right, and uh, you think, everybody thinks it's going to be Alabama. Uh, how much is this on Muleshoe for slow playing Cole Adams? And then the, the, it appears the current Sooner staff again uh, that Cole Adams was on their list, but maybe a ways down their list. As much as it would be trendy to throw the blame on Muleshoe, Muleshoe is Go not ahead, at fault it. at all here because – the Sooners already had three wide receivers committed when he left, and they were about to get a fourth in Ashton Cozart. They would have been in place That's for true. a fifth in Jalen Hale. So the Sooners were never going to offer Cole Adams if Muleshoe had stayed around. Cole Adams was, no, was – was it, So was it Dylan Edwards that they slow played? Who am I thinking? There was somebody that I thought – By the previous Job. staff. By, by Job. Job. That's, That's Okay, yeah. And by Job is down to three right now, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Alabama. He announced that uh, the other day. Is Michigan State in the lead there? Yeah, I, I think so. And his trainer is very, very close with Michigan State's defensive ends coach, Brandon Jordan. It makes a lot of sense that Michigan State is the odds-on favorite right now. Bama's still in the mix. I was honestly surprised, Mike, that OU made by Job's final three. I think yeah, that's... I, I, that's more than you could ask for in that recruitment because it's do you, just. Do you think that's kind of throwing OU a bone? Hey, man, you know, yeah, I've, well, I've been and, in Norman. And and his exchange family, too, is big time, big time Sooner fans. So mm-hmm. I think it's a tip of the cap to OU for recruiting him, but I think it's going to be Michigan State or Alabama in the end. I don't think OU is a legit player there. I'd love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong, but that's just not the vibe I'm getting on by Job. For Cole Adams, this is the one that got away when you're talking about in-state kids in the 2023 cycle. And 
This is the one where you can't really make an excuse for Oklahoma's coaching staff as to why they didn't end up getting Cole Adams to commit to the Crimson and Cream. Because, obviously, by Job was going to be a tough sell because of the relationship or lack thereof with the former staff at Oklahoma and how they slow played him like you mentioned, Steely. Luke has was going to be a really difficult pull the second that Muleshoe left because he had a lot of family ties to Arkansas, and it was largely because of Muleshoe that he committed to Oklahoma in the first place. He was one of those guys that was committed to Riley and not committed to Oklahoma. So it was not a shock when he committed to Arkansas, and that was one where although OU hung around on the precipice and stayed in contact for a while with has, it never seemed likely that they were going to get back into his recruitment. With Micah Tease, that's just a case of the staff and the player being on completely different pages. The staff wanted Micah Tease to play defensive back. Micah Tease wanted to play wide receiver. They couldn't work out their differences, and so Tease began to prioritize other programs. So they just kind of went their separate ways there. You can't really make an excuse for why Cole Adams isn't in Oklahoma sooner because, as I mentioned last hour, the Sooner staff kind of dangled the hook. Or I, 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 I think about that old Geico commercial. Like they dangled the dollar bill in front of him for a while and didn't offer him, even though they hosted him on an unofficial visit, they said all the right things to him, but they didn't offer him until Ashton Cozart decommitted from Oregon. And I remember coming on that Monday or Tuesday after the offer happened and just talking about how terrible the optics were with that situation. Because in-state kid, four-star player, very obviously somebody that's going to have a lot of success at the next level and could play pretty much anywhere. He's got Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, all these other SEC programs actively recruiting him, dating back months and months. And you, as the in-state program, have the inside track to get this kid. His brother goes to Oklahoma he grew up an OU fan. It's not going to be a tough pull if you play your cards right. You don't even have to play them right. If you just play your cards, you're going to get Cole Adams. But they wait till Ashton Kozar decommits, and at that point in time, it wasn't difficult for Cole Adams or anyone else to see, okay, he's a backup plan for this staff. He is the insurance policy. Alabama prioritized him. Alabama recruited him very hard from the get-go, and – they have been the leader in his recruitment for some time. And so with him winding down to his decision today at 5.30 p.m., I expect that Alabama's going to be the choice. Can't really fault Cole Adams for going to the staff that quite clearly has made him a priority. And this is, like I said, at the end of the day, when you're talking about the in-state kids in the class of 2023, this is the one that OU legitimately allowed to get away. All right, let's talk about some other uh, prospects for the Sooners that are out there. And uh, everybody saw the tweet, I'm sure, uh, last night, if you haven't. Uh, DeMarco Murray uh, put Yamaha out there, and Sooner fans very got very excited. It is believed that will be a uh, soon-to-come commitment from Dalen Smothers, the running back, uh, top 10 2023 running back out of Charlotte, North Carolina, four-star kid. Uh, looks like it's down to Oklahoma and Florida State, and now a lot of people believe it's going to be the University of Oklahoma. So let's start with him and then run down some names, and you give me the percentage chance you think 
these prospects commit to Oklahoma? Let's start with Dalen Smothers. 90%. Okay. Uh, let's go to Peyton Kirkland. Uh, 40%. I'll say 40%. All right. Jaquazy Petaway. 70%. Okay. Uh, Derek LeBlanc. <laughs> I'll put him right about where I put Peyton Kirkland, 40%. A lot of question marks there. That's That one you said has been hard to read, yeah, right? Yeah, both him uh, and Peyton Kirkland have done an immaculate job of making sure nobody knows exactly what's going on in their heads. And uh, Peyton Kirkland is the offensive lineman out of Orlando. Derek LeBlanc, the uh, defensive lineman four-star, also out of the state of Florida, Kissimmee, Florida, uh, right there. All right, uh, Sammy Amasigo. Omasigo deciding tomorrow between OU and Florida, 75%, I think, in favor of Oklahoma there. So good news could be happening for the Sooners tomorrow there. Uh, Makari Vickers, safety out of Tallahassee. Uh, I'm about at 50% on that one. I think it's an even 50-50 coin flip between Oklahoma and Alabama, and it is a battle right now between those two programs. What works in Oklahoma's favor with Macari Vickers is that Alabama's gotten a couple big-time defensive back commits in recent days, including five-star Tony Mitchell. So maybe that shuffles Macari Vickers down the priority list for Bama. But that said, Bama did have the luxury of the most recent official visit with Macari Vickers, and they made a lot of progress and was able to kill or curb a lot of the momentum that OU had garnered with their official visit back on the 3rd of June. All right. uh, Three other names. Jacoby Johnson, the kid out of Mustang. Uh, 95%. All right. Uh, Caden Green, the offensive lineman out of Lee Summit, Missouri. Is he close (laughs) to that level two? 99%. So Johnson and Green. uh, P.J. Adebore. P.J. Adebore, I would say, is right about 80% for me. So uh, you think that uh, the Sooners are soon to get Smothers, Petaway, Johnson, Green, and Atabare? Yes. And uh, where would that? How how high would they rocket up the national rankings if all five of those uh, come to fruition? I mean, I don't have our twenty four seven sports class calculator in front of me, so I can't give you an exact number. But uh, if you get all those guys in the month of July, you're going to have a top 10 class by this time next month. Yeah, and uh, we've been talking about being patient, being patient, and uh, particularly there are a couple schools out there that, you know, Sooner fans get angry about. One is always Texas, and you've got Arch Manning mania going Hey, they just got right another five-star, by the way, Mike. Did they really? <laughs> John T. Cook, five-star wideout. Uh, out of DeSoto, Texas, just committed to UT a couple minutes so ago. 17 so 17 commitments now, and that's Ooh, nine. And that's nine since Arch Manning pledged to Texas. Nine. I mean, he's more than doubled their class. And, again, I know that you talked about, and I believe because you've, you've seen the tape and you know that he's played 2A football, and, look, a lot of this hype is the Manning name. And, you know, we've also said Arch Manning could turn out to be great and live up to all the hype. But the level of competition he's faced, we'll see. We'll see how he pans out. But one thing, you know, maybe his most valuable contribution to Texas, if he doesn't pan out to be the the best quarterback in this class, is he's bringing in a lot of big-time 
names how about to come this, join him in Austin. How about this run Texas is on, though, Mike? I mean, you have, as much as it sucks to do so for a lot of Sooner fans, you have just got to tip your hat to Steve Sarkeesian. I know, like I said, might not mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Probably won't because Texas's issue has never been recruiting. But this is a legendary recruiting heater that they are on over the last week. Ten commits, six blue chips, three of them five stars. Wow. that That's amazing. And they've moved up to number two in the national rankings, uh, the composite rankings, team rankings behind Ohio State, just moved ahead of Notre Dame. So, yeah, uh, look. Texas again, they're going to bring in players. Can Sark develop these players? Last year, five and seven, not so good. In fact, coaches in the hot seat had Sark number five on their uh, on their hot seat rankings last time I looked. Uh, so there's some more pressure on Sark, no doubt. But, yeah, it's, it's worked out very well for the Horns. And, again, the Sooners could be getting some big names uh, coming up. So uh, one thing that OU coaches need to do is beat Texas. Now, you don't have to win every game against Texas, but you can be Gary Gibbs. And I think Gary Gibbs was a good football coach. I really do. Uh, and he had some bad luck against the Horns also. But you need to win your share against Texas. And uh, we know, again, that the Horns are going to put together great classes. But this is turning in, again, to a, a big-time class now uh, with the Horns adding another five-star. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, how it pans out. I, I can't wait to see Brent versus uh, Sark in the Cotton Bowl second Saturday in October. That'll be fun. All right, let's break right here. Thank you again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, X72, car, truck, or SUV. They've got a great selection and that incredible guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Nobody likes additional costs. You love no additional cost. And that's what you'll find at the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Exit 72 in Paul's Valley. Let's come back, talk more Big 12 football up next. I got to bring us back with a little Elvis Eyes of Texas. There you go. Well, uh, the Longhorns got another five-star today and have moved up to number two in the national recruiting rankings behind Ohio State, and they are right there. Could be number one uh, very soon based on the way things are trending right now. The Longhorns got, uh, they have now 17 commitments. So I'm losing count. Is it eight or nine since Arch Manning pledged to the Horns? Uh, Counting Arch, it's 10 total, six blue chips, three five stars. There's probably another one coming in four-star running back Cedric Baxter, who Looks like a heavy, heavy Texas lean and a guy that could be deciding in the very imminent future. So, man, what a heater the Longhorns are on. I can't wait to see how they screw this one up, Steely. Yeah, it, you know, Texas has a history of uh, screwing up some pretty good recruiting classes, so we'll see. Uh, and, you know, you keep thinking, man, is there going to be a point where they put all this together? And Max certainly did a nice job, won a national championship, uh, who knows what would have happened in that game if Colt McCoy hadn't gotten injured uh, against Alabama. Maybe Mack would have had two, and it went downhill after that, and a lot of that was quarterback play after that. Uh, Garrett Gilbert came in, actually did a pretty good job that night when Colt went out with a shoulder injury. But, uh, you know, Garrett Gilbert ended up transferring, and uh, the Horns really haven't had, you know, and Ellinger, I give him credit for being a tough kid and all of that, but quarterback play has been part of that. And, of course, the 
culture or lack thereof. And isn't Matthew McConaughey the minister of culture there? And I guess it's not working out real good. The minister of culture. Role. Yes, that is his official title. <laughs> and uh, right, that is, that is right, one thing right Texas all. football does not have is culture. By, by the way, we're about to unify the text line. The text line is about to coalesce because uh, I've been looking back at this texter's history. They just sent in a text. We'll get to it in a moment. But I've been looking back at this texter's history over the last couple days. Uh, Monday, they said, so after today, can we be done with baseball talk? Jeez, haven't been able to listen to the best station in weeks because of nonstop baseball talk. Yesterday, they sent the text that caused the text line to coalesce. Doesn't look good for OU, only getting three stars, and Texas is getting five stars. Next year is crucial. If Texas beats Alabama, it's over. OU is done. Today, three consecutive texts from this particular texter. One of these cycles, it's going to pay off for Texas, and it may be now. They keep getting five stars, and OU keeps getting three stars. That's not good. So Texas just got another five star. Wow. OU is about to be destroyed by Texas. It's not going to look good for Brent. OU is headed in the wrong direction. Well, some of those I agree a little bit with. Uh, Now, the total devastation of Oklahoma football is where it gets extreme for me. And obviously, the guy's not a big baseball guy. So, you know, that has enough to be your cup of tea. But, you know, I would rather get five stars than three stars And we can talk all about, well, these kids, you know, they'll be better developed at Oklahoma. And the history is that they have been. And I think this staff is going to develop kids who aren't, uh, say, four or five stars. But Oklahoma's going to get their share of four stars, and they'll get some five stars thrown in as well. But, you know, it it looks pretty good for Texas right now. And, you know, at some point you would think maybe – they can coach him up a little bit. So I, I see a little bit of what the guy's saying. The problem is where he goes over the cliff where it's like a mushroom <laughs> cloud over Norman, Oklahoma, right? Yeah, Texas is recruiting well. Obviously, this is the beginning of the end for Oklahoma. That's the case. The beginning of the end would have come in, well, circa 2015 with mm-hmm. Charlie Strong. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But, um, you know, I, I do like the Oklahoma coaching staff. And, uh, you know, they're in a situation. Um, who uh, – Kale has been an excellent recruiter over the years. And I think all these guys – I mean, Todd Bates has an excellent reputation. So does Brent. All these guys have good reputations. Uh, who do you think would be the, the big lead recruiter in the state of Texas for OU? For OU, I think mm-hmm. it's in tandem, Kale Gundy yeah. and Jay Valai. Yeah. yeah, I think those, those are the two. two. Yeah, and Jay Valai has a background there, and Kale Gundy has gotten his a great share of kids uh, from the Lone Star State, and has been a great Sooner for a long, long time. But you know, if Texas gets on a roll, what you got to do is you got to go keep beating Texas. Adrian Peterson, and unless I'm remember, uh, not remembering the story right, but was really thinking about going to Texas, but Oklahoma kept beating Texas. That's how you get Adrian Peterson out of the state of Texas. You know, Oklahoma needs to keep going down there. You're not going to win them all against Texas. They couldn't win all of them against Mac. They won a bunch of them against Mac, though, but you can't be Gary Gibbs and go down there and lose. 
Uh, and again, like I said, Gary had some bad luck. The Cash Brothers with those last-second touchdowns, and then they had one year where Oklahoma looks like they're going to win the game, and Mike McKinley fumbles, fumbles the ball right into the hands of Bubba Jacks going the other direction. He runs it back for a touchdown, missed field goals. Uh, but you've got to, you know, you, you can't let Texas get on a really good run down in the Cotton Bowl because then you might be in some trouble. Well, yeah, now, but then, you're Oklahoma, but you've got to keep winning your fair share there. <laughs> Back to the text line. One listener says, that guy is a case of burnt orange brain. Another says, I don't pay attention to alarmists of any kind. Gunny of Stutzman Army says, just recruiting five stars doesn't mean crap. You also have to develop them, which has been That's Texas's true. issue That's true. over the years. It has been Texas's issue. But look, the OU fans would be doing backflips if this kind of news was happening to them right now. So I, I, I get it, and they're right. Texas has a history of signing really good recruiting classes, and uh, those players keep getting beat quite a bit. And, uh, you know, if you're a Sooner fan, obviously you hope that continues. Because on paper, it looks really good. But Oklahoma's class, as you talked about, Parker, is getting ready, you think, in the next two or three weeks to, uh, you talked about, uh, Jaquazi Petaway. You talked about PJ Adabare. You talked about Caden Green. You talked about Jacoby Johnson, um, Sammy Amasigo. You think all those guys and Dalen Smothers in the next uh, two or three weeks are going to end up committing to Oklahoma. And if that happens, you know, the Sooners make their move and then you hope to build on that. Exactly. And the surge is coming for Oklahoma. Look, are they going to sign a recruiting class that is on par with Texas's? No. They are, in all likelihood, not going to. However, as Tyler McComas mentioned yesterday on Locked In, in 14 out of the last 21 years, Texas has signed a higher-rated recruiting class than Oklahoma, and in terms of the head-to-head at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas, it has not amounted to a whole heck of a lot. That's true. That's absolutely true. So, uh, again, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. All right, real quick, we've got Nate Fakin coming up in a minute. Uh, Timmy, can I call him South Park? Timmy! Uh, on Twitter says, Steelman, when will we really know what a Brent Venables team looks like? Well, I mean, you saw in the spring, but I guess you're talking about the regular season. It would be that Nebraska game. Uh, because to me... That is the game that could determine whether or not Scott Frost is going to keep his job in Lincoln, Parker, because you could get some really good momentum if you win that game. All of a sudden, the fan base is energized again. And look, the Nebraska fans are going to show up and show out. They just do that. But at least you could get some early momentum in that third game of the season for Oklahoma and Lincoln. And that'll be the real first test of the OU football team. And they, they're going to be walking into a place that's going to be pretty fired up to see the Crimson and Cream come in. Yeah, that's going to be your litmus test early on for Brent Venable's Oklahoma Sooners. Is how do they deal with a raucous road environment in their first road game of the new era against a Nebraska team that's going to be motivated to beat them and a quarterback in Casey Thompson that's going to be especially motivated to beat them. So... Uh, yeah, is that going to tell you everything you need to know about where OU football is going to be in 2022 or where they might be by the end of the season? Not necessarily, but that'll tell you plenty about the direction of the program when the Sooners head up to Lincoln in week three. 
No doubt. Uh, going to be a fascinating matchup. And I was talking about the coaches' hot seat rankings because they had Sark number five last I saw. And also, uh, it's been about a week or so since I won on that website, but uh, Scott Frost was number one on that list. So he needs a big a big signature victory, and he'll have an opportunity against the Sooners there in Lincoln in the third game of the season. All right, we're going to break right here. Nate Fakin, Oklahoma's News Channel 4, will join us. We'll talk Big 12 football. Nate was, uh, of course, watching the Sooners in Omaha as well, so we'll talk to Nate about uh, the Sooner baseball run as well. All of that coming up. Some Sooner fans, feel, do they feel like they're in the ring of fire with this Texas recruiting class? Because the Horns keep adding five and four stars since the Arch Manning decision. But you know what? Let's see how it plays out. We'll be right back right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Yes, the uh, recruits, four and five stars, keep rolling in to the Longhorns. Who will be next? Who will it be next? I can tell you who's next up for us. That's Nate Fakin from News Channel 4 joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline, 405-329-9000. Nate, appreciate your time today. Uh, Sooner fans are panicking because Archmania is sweeping uh, the country right now. Well, at least the state of Texas with Texas uh, uh, now up to 17 commitments uh, nine new ones since Arch Manning announced. Are you of the opinion that hey, let we've seen this before from Texas. Let's see, uh, let's see if they can coach him up. Or is that your take? I think that's everybody's take. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of proved us wrong at this point. Um, let's props to him for getting him. I think that's a a huge deal, and it sounded like it was a pretty shocking deal for a lot of people. Um, <clears throat> I wish I could remember who who wrote it, but some national writer I read on the whole thing to kind of get some background on it was saying, I guess UT's quarterback coach was there enough, that, like he was <laughs> there to flip on the, the light at their weight room every morning. So they they put the work in to get the guy. And I mean, let's be real, the Mannings are like the fa- first family of quarterbacks, so they must have felt something was right there. But uh, I mean, it's I mean, if if you're an OU fan, it's something you should be familiar with. OU's been lining up five-star quarterbacks uh, for a little while now with, with, you know, with under Lincoln Riley. So, I mean, that's kind of how it goes. Now, you your guy, and then you can build around it. Yeah, now, Nate, here's the question. How many consecutive off-seasons are we going to see people drinking the Kool-Aid on the Texas Longhorns? Because we got a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line yesterday in the aftermath of Texas picking up yet another commit as Arch Madness continues to sweep the 40 acres. And the text essentially said, this is the year that Texas overtakes Oklahoma. And Tyler McComas and I were joking, okay, that text could have been sent on June 28th, 2022, or June 28th, 2021, or June 28th, 2020, so on and so forth. So how many consecutive off-seasons are we going to see people drinking the same burnt orange Kool-Aid before they start to square with reality and the fact that talent acquisition has never been the issue for this program. Yeah, I mean, I think you could go back a lot farther than that. I mean, I mean, to the early 2000s. I mean, you know, you look at some of the quarterbacks they were laying in back then, and um, and some of the guys they missed on it. That was well documented. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's 
it's something, like I said, they've been doing for two decades now. Like you mentioned, they land a lot of high-profile guys, but for whatever reason, things don't work out that well. I actually know someone that works in their athletic department. I was talking with them uh, recently during the, the baseball run, and they were telling me it's kind of like, you know, they put so much emphasis on money and flash and all that stuff that I think a lot of focus on the on-the-field stuff gets lost. And I think that's maybe just a wide way to look at all of it. I mean, I think their focus is so much all over the place that they tend to struggle on the field. And, I mean, it's, like I said, it's been something that's going on 20 years, and it's going to take someone like Arch to have a Vince Young-type impact or Colt McCoy to change that. Uh, otherwise, it's, you know, it's the same joke we've been making forever. Is Texas back? And they haven't really been back since Colt McCoy left. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Nate Fakin, Channel 4, joining us. Uh, Channel 4 in Oklahoma City and does a great job. All right, so you'll be headed down to Big 12 Media Days. We're not that far away. Uh, I, I know a lot of people have Oklahoma as a slight favorite, but you see some support for Baylor, some support for Oklahoma State, uh, some support for Texas. Uh, uh-huh. But what do you think? It feels pretty wide open. What's the storyline uh, for you heading into Big 12 football? Well, I know with the, the new commissioner, that's obviously something pretty big. And, um, you know, just with the you and Texas leaving, I'm sure that's always going to be somewhat of the elephant in the room. But, I mean, uh, kind of like you were saying, it's been OU's conference six of the last seven years now, I think it's been, with the winning the championship. So it's is do they drop off now after not winning the title last year? They drop off with uh, Lincoln Riley leaving and Brent Venables. And, I mean, uh, does Baylor or OSU capitalize? Uh, someone like that. I mean, with, they were both in the Big 12 championship and um, seemed to always kind of be right there on the doorstep. Can they capitalize on this moment? I think that would kind of be where, uh, big picture-wise, where I think a lot of people's view might be. Now, Nate, curious to hear your thoughts slash opinions on the new commissioner-to-be of the Big 12, Brett Yormark. That hire came out of left field. Not a lot of folks figured that it was going to be that guy or even that type of guy when you look at his background that was going to be the next commissioner of the Big 12. So what do you think of the move? Obviously, it doesn't affect Oklahoma for all that long as they get ready to transition to the SEC, but no doubt that will be a popular topic of conversation heading into Big 12 media days. Yeah, it seems like a pretty smart move to me. I mean, with everything going towards NIL and that kind of thing, I mean, the guys working with Jay-Z, that's, that's going to get a lot of attention for people uh, of the of the younger demographic, for sure, um, or maybe somewhat younger that's probably me now, um, 30s and, and below. Um, but, yeah, it seems like a smart move, I guess, or at least different. I mean, Dame BB and, and uh, Bowlesby, I mean, they're basically failures. They let it kind of fall apart <laughs> for each of them. So uh, maybe this is a smart move to get out ahead of something like NIL and, and business ventures and all that good stuff that um, – you know, where maybe you can create some stability because that's what neither one of those guys could do. They couldn't keep it together, and here we are. And it's all, you know, money-based, as we know, and TV contracts and stuff like that. So if he's been doing deals for uh, Rock Nation and Jay-Z and whatever high-profile <laughs> high celebrities he's been working with, that's probably something he's used to. And maybe it's the thing, like I said, that creates some stability because that's really what the Big 12 needs. 
All right, Nate, before we let you go, what was your take on uh, Omaha, the environment, and uh, the run the Sooners made? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I mean, it's uh, good for Skip Johnson. You look at their 2020 team, they were really good. I think they were top-ranked when everything shut down or had been top-ranked. So you kind of felt for them that way and that it didn't work out that year. And then I know at one point this year, a lot of fans weren't all too fired up about him. And then he goes and does this. And I think there's a lot of promise there. They were a really young team. So it's something to kind of um, be excited about. And I think it's huge for like what we were just talking about with realignment and the SEC coming up. I mean, the SEC, they, they don't mess around. They, they take baseball serious. Um, I think a lot of that is a lot of them don't have NBA teams or stuff going on in the spring like we do as much. So that's all they have. And so they're, you know, their facilities are big time. I know from our travels, um, you know, South Carolina or I've been by Ole Miss's place. It's, I mean, it's about as nice as you can get. I mean, kind of like O'Bright. And OU's way behind in that standpoint. So you saw some money coming in. So I think it's great for the program going forward to kind of have some momentum and something you can point to. Hey, we, we are getting this going and we need to get it going if we're going to do well in the SEC, which is the case for almost any sport you get into in that conference with all the money that's thrown around. So um, good for Skip Johnson, like I said. Basically, I, you know, I think a lot of people felt for him with losing that 2020 team and cool to see him get it turned around in time and get him going back again where they should be. Nate, good stuff. We appreciate it. Tell uh, Dilly Bucks we said hello, and uh, we'll talk again down the road. <laughs> Sounds good. You got it. Have a good one, guys. Nate Bacon joining us from Channel 4 in Oklahoma City. Break time right here. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. X72 for a great deal on a car, truck, or SUV, and that incredible guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Lon Kruger going to the National College Basketball Hall of Fame. That's a great deal for Lon Kruger. We'll talk about that and a guy who should be in when we get back. Okay, Riverwind Casino, Beats and Bites, two shows left for the 2022 season. You can get outdoors, bring your folding chairs, have a great time, and enjoy all the best local food trucks out there, retail vendors, games for the kids. Great, great, great craft beer from Coop Ale Works, the presenting sponsor. And uh, we've got a great show coming up July 9th. It'll be the Randy Rogers Band on July 9th, followed by an incredible fireworks show. Uh, the best in the metro area. It'll be happening at Riverwind coming up July 9th. You can get your individual tickets online at riverwind.com. That's riverwind.com. And then you have a great show again July 30th to close out Beats and Bites for 2022. Scotty McCreary will be on the Beats and Bites stage. And uh, tickets are available there, riverwind.com. Each individual ticket, only 5 bucks. And are you kidding me for the Randy Rogers Band and the best fireworks display in the metro area only five bucks that is a bargain riverwind incredible entertainment destination great dining great gaming a world-class hotel riverwind simply the best all right lon kruger announced that he was uh, well lon kruger uh the national college basketball hall of fame announced that lon kruger is going in uh in the class for 2022 lon kruger is ou's first 
uh, head coach inducted into the National College Basketball Hall of Fame. Wayman Tuesdale is the only other Sooner in the National College Basketball Hall of Fame. Remember, uh, we kept waiting for Eddie Sutton to get into the Naismith Hall of Fame, and he finally uh, you know, got in in 2020. And look, Lon Kruger, great coach. You talk about one of three coaches in NCAA history along with uh, – it was Rick Patino and um, there was one other, I'm trying to remember who the other guy was, uh, to lead five schools to an NCAA tournament appearance, 674 wins. Uh, great, Not only a great coach, but a great, 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 tremendous guy, tremendous human being. Lon absolutely deserves it. Billy Tubbs isn't in. Billy Tubbs is not in the National College Basketball Hall of Fame, and that is a travesty because Oklahoma basketball was never at a higher, better level than it was uh, when Billy Tubbs was over there on the bench. But Billy rocked the boat a little bit. Guess who's not in the National College Basketball Hall of Fame either? Another guy who rocked the boat a little bit when he was coaching and had some great teams, Jerry Tarkanian. So, you know, to me, uh, it just drives me crazy when Billy Tubbs is overlooked because that man could coach. Uh, and, you know, I remember the early argument against Billy teams, well, they don't play any defense. Well, they were press. They were trying to uh, get the ball back, basically, with their press, and all you have to do is look at margin of victory to decide whether or not they can play defense. But, you know, he wasn't running the zone like Jim Beheim or slapping the floor like they do at Duke. But Billy Tubbs deserves more respect than he gets because that man could coach the game of basketball. And, man, do we miss him, Billy Tubbs. All right, Parker, you want to get some texts in last minute? Yes, Michael from OKC says, Hey, OU fans, rest easy. We've been down this UT five-star quarterback road before. Mm-hmm. Chris Sims, Garrett Gilbert, Shane Buchel, Sam Ellinger, Hudson Card, now Arch. Not many wins, statues, or conference championships. Card and Ellinger, I believe, were four stars. But, yes, everybody else was a five-star. Gilbert certainly was. Yeah. Shane Bouchel was. I mean, these these were highly regarded signal callers that passed through the 40 acres. And over that span of time, I mean, there's been one guy, one guy over the last 20 years that has had a lot of success. Well, okay, two guys, Vince Young and Colt McCoy. And that was the, Colt that, McCoy's like a three-star too, wasn't he? Yeah, that was the, but that was the golden age for Texas yeah, against Oklahoma. Absolutely. The Vince no Young doubt. era followed by the Colt McCoy era. It absolutely was. And, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know what would have happened in that championship game against Alabama. Uh, Colt McCoy went down with a shoulder injury, and, and Garrett Gilbert actually, you know, played pretty well in that game, but his career certainly didn't pan out. He ended up where SMU, right, for Garrett Gilbert after that. And, uh, yeah, they're. Did there Garrett Gilbert go quarter- to SMU? I knew Shane Buchel went to LSU. Yeah, I I'm thought trying to Garrett, think if Garrett Gilbert went to the same place. I think he did, but you know, my old man memory doesn't. I'll go ahead and Google it up. Okay. Yep, you're right. He went to SMU afterwards. So he and Shane Buchel took the exact same path. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I can't remember what Chance Mock was either. He was he Chance was the Mock. Now, that he is a name the, I have not he heard was in the, a long, long time. You know who really was unlike, not likable either? Major Applewhite. That little howdy-doody, you know, <laughs> talking smack back in the day. Major Applewhite. 
Named after Major Ogilvy. Really? Way, the, yeah, oh, yeah, the old Alabama running back. Because I think, didn't he, wasn't he born in, like, Alabama? Or I guess his parents were. But, uh, yeah, Major Applewhite. If was, his name is Major Applewhite, he was almost certainly born in Alabama, yes. Absolutely. I think that's correct. So, anyway, uh, anything else you want to get into before we get out of here? Uh, somebody said. Somebody we... said Billy Tubbs' defense was exhaustion by the other team. Yes, that's right. Somebody said. Actually, go ahead. Somebody said OU makes four stars out of three stars, and Texas makes four stars out of five stars. So we're about even. Still, kind of a cynical way to look at it, but there's some truth to that. Major Applewhite was born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but I, unless I'm just not remembering, I'm almost positive that he was named after uh, Major uh, Ogilvy, who was an Alabama player back in the day. So I always remember that name as a kid. I'm thinking, Major Ogilvy, what kind of name is that? Okay, um, so Cole Adams today. Uh, Sooner fans are prepared for this, though, right? Particularly those, if you're really into recruiting, you know what's going on there. there, There's no chance there's going to be some hat game and OU comes out, you know, as the winner here, right? No, there's not going to be any kind of surprise today at all. There will not be, uh, at least not in my mind. I don't think there's much chance of that. This one appears to be headed in Alabama's direction. So, uh, assuming he does commit to the Tide, that takes him off the wide receiver board, obviously, for Oklahoma. And then the focus becomes Jaquazy Petaway and Anthony Evans. Those are the two guys that you got to have at wideout if you're Oklahoma at this point. By the way, fantastic text via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Why worry about Texas? We have general booty. There you go. That is the text of the day. That's the closer right there. That is the mic drop right there. That's it. I like that. Good stuff. All right. Uh, Tyler and uh, Parker are going to have a lot more locked in at the top of the hour. I apologize for the nasally annoying voice again today. I'm trying my best to get rid of it. But uh, I'm so far, it's a split decision. I think the judges would favor me uh, probably in a split decision over the summer cold so far, but the summer cold keeps fighting back. Just when I think, you know, it's going down for the count, it gets off the canvas hey, again. You so. know, the important thing here, Steely, is that you, like Baker Mayfield, are playing through it. And fortunately, the advantage you have over Baker Mayfield is that you work for people who aren't going to hang you out to dry. That's exactly right. The vineyards are first class, no doubt about it. All right. Got to get out of here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Thank you to Riverwind Casino. Thanks to you, and I love that mic drop. You're right. The Sooners will always have General Booty, Texas, and you won't. All right, got to get out of here. Stay tuned. Locked in is coming up next. Everybody have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll see you.